Hi friends, welcome back to Eco Chic. This is episode 80. I'm so excited to have you today because it is our third Chic Chats episode. I love these episodes. They're call-in style hotline type episodes with members of the Eco Chic community. And I love these so much because I am a really big fan of encouraging that community. I love getting people involved in the podcast and just talking about living a more eco-conscious life, however that works for them. And I think this is a really good way to start off because today's call-in episode is actually centered around community and the idea that you can really encourage community in whatever capacity you have within your own like physical geographic location. So I'm excited about today's episode. We have three listeners calling in. We are first going to hear from Bella. She's 17 in Connecticut, and she is the head of Sage Magazine, a quarterly printed magazine distributed in Connecticut. Then we are talking with Faith. She's 27, calling in from Utah, and she hosts monthly segments on her local TV stations, encouraging people to live a more eco-conscious, zero-waste lifestyle, just sharing tips and tricks in quick little bite-sized TV segments. And she also hosts workshops locally on things like composting. And then we are talking with Nika. She is 20, calling in from Florida, and she is the creator of U Thrift, which is a free campus thrift shop, pop-up shop at the University of Miami. So there's a lot to unpack, a lot of different types of community that we're going to be talking about today. So I said earlier that I'm a really big fan personally of encouraging that community, and I'm not going to be talking specifically today about Eco Chic, the podcast, and how I like to encourage community in that capacity. I think I want to get into that at a later point with y'all and just like really, really break down the podcast. But I do talk a little bit with Bella, the first listener that you're going to be hearing from, because we have a lot of very similar not necessarily struggles, but challenges and ideas when it comes to creating that content. So that's just kind of how I'm fitting my own personal narrative into the story. I really resonated with all of these stories. Our three listeners today that are speaking are just such interesting, well-rounded people that I really connected with, each individually, like on a different scale. So we across the board are talking about creating content and creating something for people. And then we're talking about connections that you can make in real life in your physical community and just reaching out to people and that personal touch of the sustainability message and showing up where your ideal community is. It seems like the overarching takeaway message of this particular episode is that you don't have to have it all figured out to be a really valuable voice in this green movement. So with that, I hope you guys so enjoy this episode. Please don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It is so, so helpful in getting me to figure out what you guys really care about. And it's also just helpful in getting other people involved again, you know, push in that community. And make sure that you follow us at Eco Chic Podcast on Instagram. That's the easiest way to connect. And before we get into today's episode, I also want to let you know the next call-in episode is going to be about careers. So if you are someone who has a career, a job in the sustainability or climate change realm, I would really love to talk to you. So make sure that you either reach out to me on Instagram, again, at Eco Chic Podcast, or you can email me, laura at lauraedias.com, and I will get working on that 
ASAP. I love these call-in episodes because it's such a great way for me to like really talk to you. And it's also just kind of a fun project. It takes a little bit more time, so it takes me a little bit longer to put them out, but it is really so, so helpful. And I know that y'all really, really love these episodes. So again, if you know anyone in the climate change sustainability space professionally, I would really, really love to hear from y'all. So with that, I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Bella, Faith, and Nika talking about creating community around sustainability. Bella, before we get into it, tell me your age and where you're calling in from. My name is Bella. I'm 17 years old and I'm currently in New Hampshire, but I live in Connecticut. Awesome. Thank you so much. So tell me a little bit about Sage Magazine. Sage Magazine, I started in my sophomore year of high school. It began as I wanted to immerse myself in some sort of creative project and I had been kind of playing with the idea of going into journalism or photography. So that was kind of the basis of it. And then as I started working on it, I realized I wanted to express ideas and things that I believed in. And I really wanted to just kind of have a deeper meaning with it and be able to share ideas on sustainability and talk about things that I was really passionate about. Kind of create a magazine for open-minded people about conscious topics. I think that's a really good overview, the idea of like conscious topics for open-minded people. I like that a lot. I would love to kind of hear where you're finding these open-minded people. So like, how are you getting your magazine in the hands of your readers? Yeah, so I think I would say it's community that I kind of put this magazine out into and the stores that were like stalking the magazine. The people that ran these businesses all were very conscious, eco-friendly, and I think that's kind of my where I started. I connected with some really cool people that had businesses and were artists, and a lot of them were very mindful and they were very like sustainability based. So I think that's kind of where I started and then naturally people would, you know, go into those stores um, because they were interested in something sustainability centered and they would find the magazine. And I think that's kind of the beginning of how that started. And then it kind of just grew into whoever was in that town, if they would see it or on social media uh, and stuff like that. I like that idea of just like going into these really conscious stores where you know that Mm -hmm. your ideal consumer is going to be. You're just Mm -hmm. like putting it in their line of sight and like making sure you're showing up where they're showing up. Exactly. And tell me a little bit about like actually creating a magazine and putting it together. Like, are you the sole writer? Do you have contributors? How do you kind of put a magazine together? So I kind of started very with like no background of like how to create a magazine um, because I was a sophomore in high school and it was kind of started by my love for photography. And so I kind of just learned as I went and I, again, connected with some really cool people in the town that were business owners. Some of them were really knowledgeable about like marketing and how to get it out there. But I kind of just like learned as I went um, and experimented and tried new things. And so I am the sole kind of writer and the head of the magazine. Um, And I had some friends help me along the way with design and art, stuff like that. But I do take all the photographs myself. And I do all the interviews and I write the articles and I put it all together as well as marketing and getting advertisers. But I do have a lot of support and I do have a lot of friends and family that have helped me and guided me and um, shared knowledge with me. That's been really helpful. 
I think that's a good way to look at it. Like the idea mm-hmm. that like, yes, you're doing it all by yourself, but you are really acknowledging the support that you're getting. Cause I feel yeah, the same way, especially like when I started eco chic, I mean, I do everything on my own, but like without that background support of people just kind of like cheering you on and giving you feedback and like, not even necessarily only cheering you on, like people kind of giving you some food for thought and some direction. And I think that's so important also in the creative process of just like creating any sort of content. Definitely. And I'm very, I'm so grateful that I've had a lot of my friends have been so supportive and really helpful. Like I've sent stuff to them and been like, what do you think? And that is by itself is so incredibly helpful to the process. Yeah. And from that perspective, like, where do you find some of your struggles as the sole person writing the articles and putting Mm -hmm. these magazines out there? And where are kind of like your challenges? I think I would definitely say the whole, um, as much as I love the whole learning as I go, it definitely is time consuming. For every step, I have to experiment and try new things. And it definitely takes a long time. So I think that's definitely my main struggle because I would ideally love to be um, producing and putting magazines out like every other month, but it's unrealistic when I have to like learn a lot as I go. So I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges. And I think just being really busy too, I think like just having to prioritize and kind of make time for it is definitely challenging, but it's something I love and something I'm really passionate about. So it is something that I have prioritized, but I think time primarily, yeah. Yeah, I really resonate with that idea of just like prioritizing your your work and your passions mm-hmm. and also just kind of making sure that things that aren't your passion don't take up your time, if that makes sense. Like it's so easy to kind of be peer pressured sometimes by your friends to just be like, oh, like just leave that until tomorrow or leave that until whenever. Because I know Mm -hmm. I get it all the time when I want to like stay in and like edit an episode. It's so easy for my friends to just be like, oh, just leave that. Like, let's go do this fun thing. Let's Mm -hmm. go to the movies. Let's do whatever. And so it's hard to kind of also get those people in your life supporting that concept. Not that they're not supporting you, but they just don't necessarily resonate or prioritize the same way. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly, yeah. And I guess last question wrapping up, I'm really curious to know your next moves. Like, where do you see Sage going in the future? How are you planning to continue growing the brand? Yeah, so I have so many ideas and plans um, for the future because I have been um, working on an organic farm. I've had a lot of time to think and not a lot of time to actually create, but a lot of time to kind of think in my head where I want this to head especially because I um, will be going to college next year. But I am definitely very committed when I do go home to really put all of my energy into creating more issues and focusing a lot more on sustainability and issues of importance and things that I find really important that I want to kind of spread into the world. And I would love to at some point start a blog um, alongside the magazine just to kind of involve more people and have more articles and photographs and kind of just create a kind of platform on the side along with the magazine. But I just would love to continue creating and featuring really interesting and creative people um, and be able to just continue doing what I love, which is primarily taking photographs. But I also am really interested in learning about sustainability and teaching myself through platforms like Ego Chic and kind of just 
learning because I do really love to learn and it's something that I'm really interested in. So hopefully being able to then incorporate that into the magazine is definitely one of the biggest goals. I love that. The idea of like growing your own passions while also kind of Mm -hmm. bringing people along for the ride, I think is so, it's just so admirable and it's just a really cool concept. Faith. Hello. (laughs) Tell me before we get started your age and where you are calling in from. I am 27 and I'm calling in from Bountiful, Utah, just north of Salt Lake City. Awesome. I'm really excited that we're talking today. I would love for you to go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit and tell me about your background and what your stance is in your physical community. I have a bachelor's degree actually in philosophy and anthropology. I'm from Michigan and I moved to Utah about two years ago. I really was interested in the environmental movement for a long time, but never really got into it until I moved here. And then I just found more and more things that I was angry about or felt like I could be very passionate about. I was working at a restaurant and I really hated it. And I was a manager there. And so I kept having ideas about how I could be part of the environmental movement and how I could really get into it because I felt like it's something I could be really passionate about throughout my life. Just by, I guess, a series of asking the right people at the right time I learned more and more about my local community and what I could do here. I got a job at Hello Bulk Markets. It's a bulk food store, or actually bulk everything store that was just starting up here in Salt Lake City. And through that and a few other things, I met, um, started an online store called Explore Zero Waste. And just working at Hello Bulk Markets, I met a lot, a lot of people who are in the environmental movement around the area. And so it was just really a series of different conversations that led me to be on my local TV station. And I do once a month, it's actually on Fox 13. Um, It's on a show called The Place. It's in the middle of the day. Once a month, I do a segment on the show and I just give like a little tip or um, a trick of how you can be more environmentally conscious. And that all happened just through working at Hello Bulk Markets. And my boss, the owner of Hello Bulk, she had been on the show once. And the host, Amanda Jones, she came to the store and she was, we were just chatting and I had no idea who she was. But uh, we ended up talking, we were just talking the entire time she was there. And um, we were talking about how, oh, yeah, you know how everyone has side gigs. And I was telling her about my online store and the things that I sell and stuff like that. And she was like, oh, my gosh, you should come on the show. And so that's how it started. And so I sent in one proposal to be on the show. And I did a segment about how to make a zero waste Mother's Day basket. And it just evolved from there. Her producer really liked me. And so basically, as long as I send in a proposal every month, I can be on the show once a month. I think that's such a cool recognition that you were able to just talk to the right people and things happened really naturally to you. I would love to talk a little bit about your segments. So you were saying that you share little tips once a month, something like a zero waste Mother's Day basket. So tell me like how you kind of plan for these segments to make sure that they are as well received by the entire community as possible. So you are talking to a lot of different kinds of people. 
and people with maybe different views or different understandings of the environmental movement, I would love to know just how you plan for those like three or four minutes that you are sharing information. I guess like coming up with the idea for the segment, at first I thought the first one, I thought it was hard to come up with an idea because my first idea was something just like how to like go zero waste or be zero waste with the things you already have at home. I was going to do something like that, but they had actually done something similar to that already. I guess coming up with the segment ideas was the most difficult part at the beginning. But then once I had an idea for the segment, I, it didn't take, I guess, that much planning because I was sort of new to everything. I've only been really into this for about two years now, ever since I moved to Salt Lake City um, is when I really started looking into it. And so I guess since I was new to it, I sort of knew what people who were new to it would want to know or need to know. So I did a segment on worm composting. And that was something I really wanted to learn about. So I actually planned two composting classes where I invited somebody who knew a lot about composting um, and I had known, had done a couple classes in the area. I invited her to do a couple classes with me. And so she taught the classes and then that evolved into us doing classes where it was like a make your own, it wasn't just teaching about composting, it was people actually making their own worm bins and we were going to show them how to make the worm bins and how to maintain them. And so we actually did that segment right after I did the segment on the show on Fox 13. And so it was always me trying to learn about things and then it evolved into things I already knew about, like how to have the plastic free bathroom I did. And I did a lot of research on where I could get things locally. And so it was really being a part of the community who was concerned with the environment that I got to know like, oh, where I can get things and obviously working in within the community as well. I think that's a really great reflection that you are making just the idea that like you had to be a part of the community in order to like really serve your community and mm-hmm. be able to give recommendations like where to shop And also, I love the idea of facilitating a class with an expert. I think that sometimes people feel like they have to be like the ultimate resource for other people in their lives who are trying to become more environmentally conscious. And you recognizing that like, yes, I want to do this, but I need an expert to help me out or give me information or anything like that is really, really admirable because I feel like sometimes it's a lot of pressure to put on yourself to say like, I'm going to be the ultimate resource on this particular movement. Mm -hmm. So I think it's awesome that you were able to like team up with other people in the community and really make sure that you are being as efficient and reaching as many people as possible. It's been very interesting. I really like enjoyed getting to know different people in the community. And actually we just moved to a new place because my sister actually moved here from Michigan to live with me and my fiance. The place we moved into just across the street, there's this place and we knew we wanted to go in immediately because the name was Basil Rose and it said something about like edible herbs and gardening. So we we're like, we're going to go in there. And so we just talked, it was just today, actually, we just talked to the owner when we finally decided to go in there after a week of hard moving. <laughs> and um, I was talking to her and she was saying how they do classes there. And so I asked her about worm composting and stuff like that. And she's like, so now I might be teaching a class just across the road. So that's, that goes, I guess, back to the point of everything in, don't necessarily like calling it this, but my journey so far 
has been just talking a lot of just talking to the right people at the right time. I think that's a really good takeaway. If someone is interested in getting involved in their local community, would that be like the one tip that you'd send them home with? Yeah, I would say just, I was always afraid to put myself out there before, but it seems like, you know, obviously it's not always going to be this way, but it seems like every chance I've taken within the last year to put myself out there has been rewarding. Nika, before we get into it, can you tell me your age and where you are calling in from? I'm 20. I'm calling from Miami, Florida. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I always love talking to girls from Miami. Tell me a little bit about youth thrift. So first, set the scene a little bit. What is youth thrift and how did you kind of come about with this initiative? Youth thrift is an on-campus free thrift store for UM students, faculty, and staff who donate and exchange lightly used clothes, shoes, accessories, books, and school supplies. So basically, you can donate pretty much anything in good condition. For example, if you donate five things, you can then pick up six, and everything is always free. Very cool. So it's always free, so you accept donations of anything that's like in good condition. How do you kind of encourage people to start donating? Because sometimes it's hard to just solicit those initial donations to build your little stockpile. Yeah, so social media is definitely the most handy-dandy tool that we have. I think that most college-age students are checking Instagram pretty often. So every time someone walks by the stand or donates something, we encourage them to follow us on Instagram. And actually, I think we're going to start a policy that if you want to pick up something, you'll have to follow us on Instagram. Very cool. I think that's a really good idea because it's hard to just continue spreading the word for a community-based effort that is totally free if you are not constantly encouraging that sense of community. Then kind of getting into like how it all got started. So it started my freshman year when I heard about an initiative where professors, staff, and faculty could drop off and exchange used office materials like binders and boxes and staplers to the stand. And that kind of inspired me to start Youth Thrift. I wanted to make something cool and accessible for the UM student. Um, And where I'm from, everyone thrifts. We have this huge depot-sized thrift shop where my friends and I will plug in our earbuds and literally spend hours shifting through every single item. Um, So that's something that I wanted to incorporate in my life down here in Miami. So I thought I might as well get started on campus. I love the idea of a depot-sized thrift store. I would love to hear kind of about, like, what thrifting culture is to you. And eventually, like, that came with you to your life in Miami. And I would love to hear about just, like, growing up, how you got into thrifting, if there was, like, a particular thing that just really inspired you to, like, make it really mainstream in your new college town. I don't remember exactly how I got started with it. Honestly, I feel like I've always been going. But my friends and I, we would just go through every single thing and we would fill up our baskets. Like anything that looks remotely pretty on the hanger, we would grab it and fill up our baskets like higher than our heads. And we would spend hours trying everything on. And I think that's so nice. That's like such a positive way to look at thrifting. And then kind of on the flip side, just being this facilitator for other people to thrift with you thrift, I would love to hear about some of the challenges you've had. So some of the challenges we've already kind of touched on the idea that like you really need people to follow you or is there like any issues with finding a space or finding some sort of schedule or getting more people involved? Like 
what are some of the hurdles that you're overcoming right now? I think the biggest hurdle we have is there's kind of a stigma around rewearing and repurposing clothes. Um, we found a, a fact that the average piece of clothing is only worn seven times. And I think especially in Miami, or at least at University of Miami, it's kind of a glamorous campus, I would say. But you know, as a college student, I also definitely don't have the funds to keep up with all those trends. So I think that youth thrift is kind of an opportunity to find a happy medium between it. Like we've gotten everything from Calvin Klein to Tommy Hilfiger to like Lululemon. There's like no shortage of nice clothing at UM. Um, but I think that sometimes like someone will walk past the stand and not know exactly what it is. So I think that our biggest hurdle is trying to just get people to walk up, to spend five minutes looking through our racks and to actually interact and feel all the, all the things that we have to offer. The apparel industry is responsible for almost 7% for all greenhouse gas emissions. And we learned that textiles make up about 35% of global microplastic pollutions. So again, we really want, the, want you thrift to be fun, enjoyable, but also educational experience. We want people to feel good about what they're doing. I love that. I think that that's actually a really big issue with any sort of initiative, whether it is like a community-based sustainability initiative, or I'm thinking about even people at farmer's markets, like just giving someone a chance and trying out their jam or their homemade soaps or whatever it may be. So I feel like just getting people that like initial spark of interest is a huge hurdle for a lot of smaller initiatives at all. Yeah, definitely. And so another thing I want to touch on is that Youth Thrift's mission is both sustainable and social. So on the sustainable side of things, fast fashion is kind of like mind boggling. So again, like our goal is to reduce that stigma and try and educate people every time they come to that stand. We want to make an opportunity to get people excited about donating, excited about secondhand shopping. And then on the social side of things, our hope is to be active in our community and redistribute what we can. So this semester, we're partnering with a nonprofit every month to donate our access to, learn about their missions, and how we can help them out. I love that. I love the idea of partnering with another nonprofit when you're already doing good. And I also think it's really interesting you've mentioned that there is excess. Like you may have initially had an issue with like just collecting things, and now there's no issue collecting things that you actually have excess. So tell me a little bit about like the logistics of that. Like this partnership and dealing with more like administrative tasks? It's definitely been a lot of work. <laughs> so again, this is our third year going into it. So it's been a lot of trial and error. But so one thing that we're doing this semester is I made a giant like 95 page Google Slides PowerPoint. And so we have everything you could possibly imagine planned out. We have all of our calendars for our different committees. We have all of our events trying to like coordinate them in as far in advance as we can and all of our social media posts lined up. So that's like how I stay organized on top of it. Um, and also I have an amazing sustainability director and an amazing logistics director. That's our executive team. And we meet twice a week to talk about, we go through all 95 pages of that document and we just sort and plan as we can. But then, so yeah, our permanent location is our campus's Wednesday farmer's market. So once a week, that's our permanent location. People can always find us there. and. Again, we're planning all of these events and partnerships this semester. And so we're advertising that on social media and trying to get uh, a good turnout. 
that's really interesting. Do you have any like final thoughts that you would like to share? If someone does have this idea of wanting to start something on their campus, how do they get really excited and rally people and just really go for this initiative that they have? Well, my long-term goal is have a system like this on all campuses. It's so much better than item sit at a stand or go to a shelter or another thrift store than to be tossed out and sit in a landfill. I think that we definitely live in a throwaway culture. So we're hoping that this makes people think twice. And I think that all it takes is to have one person be really passionate and really excited about this and the word will naturally spread, you know? Someone will bring their friend, they'll tell their friend and it goes on. Our mission is social and sustainable, but it's also so much fun. We have every kind of person that comes to the stand. It's such an amazing way to connect with the community and it's like a mini treasure hunt every week. You never really know what you're gonna find and it's super rewarding to see people excited about it. I hope you loved those conversations with Bella, Faith, and Nika. I personally am like rallied up. I'm so excited. Maybe rallied up isn't the term that I'm looking for, but you know what I mean? I'm just like excited to be out there and create this community and continue furthering that message and just being as great of a resource as I can possibly be. So I hope you loved that. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you did enjoy and make sure that you connect with me on Instagram at Eco Chic Podcast, especially if you are interested in speaking on the next Chic Shots episode about careers and climate change and sustainability. I think that's going to be a really great episode as well. So with that, I hope you have a super great day. I can't wait to talk to you soon.